But like she comes down and finds me coding and she's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I just made the stupidest thing. Um, I just launched it <laughs> and I explained it to her. And she said, she said, she looks at me just like dead in the face and says, it's Christmas Eve. I'm Rudy Dogum and this is Wholesome Crypto. Here I speak with crypto experts, influencers, and entrepreneurs to find out what personally led them to the path of cryptocurrency. Welcome, Mike from Silk Dabs, onto the Wholesome Crypto Podcast. Thank you for joining. Me. Yeah, thank you for having me. Of course, and I mean, I love what you're doing. Love your apps that you're creating. They're a lot of fun. They're kind of like a meme, but also does show that you know how to develop apps for Web three. And before we get into what you're doing in crypto and how you got it and you know, your life in it today, where was Mike before ever even hearing about cryptocurrencies at all? Uh, sure. So um, I, I've been a, a software developer for for ages, um, and I'm still with uh, you know the same company IRL that I was uh, before I found crypto. Um, so I'm doing the the kind of dep, dap development thing. Uh, as just a, a really in-depth hobby that I have. Um, if I'm not working or, or doing something with the kids, I'm, you know, online tinkering with the Solidity, uh, React, uh, you know, whatever the, the, the latest tech is, trying to find my way around uh, this whole thing. Nice. And it's like, it's a classic, like just having this core skill set of being developer and just using it for hobbies and having fun with it. But could you ever see yourself being full-time crypto? I guess, how close is your current job related to like, I guess, financial and web three worlds or completely just web two? Uh, I, I'm, I'm building applications for, for the web with the company I'm with, but it's, it's non-financial stuff. It's, it's data visualization cool. stuff, uh, kind, of, kind of more in like the, uh, purest sense. Um, uh, and, uh, yeah, that, that's a lot of fun. I enjoy it. Uh, so it's, it, I get, I get a nice little balance between the insanity of web three and <laughs> the, the stability of, of knowing what to expect, uh, you know, uh, logging in each day to, to work. Yeah, for sure. And yeah. since you're in the software field anyways, like you've been in for a while, you said, when was the first time you heard about crypto? Was it a friend or did yourself? Um, I want to say it was probably Reddit or Dig or whatever social media oh, platform dig. was, was larger at the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's probably, probably 2012 when I first heard about Bitcoin and I, I remember tracking it in the news for a while and, and not really understanding the idea behind it. Um, like I, I got the idea of like, okay, it's, it's, it's decentralized and you know, no one can take your money away from you. You know, really valuable because you get locked out of your bank account. Uh, if, if you upset the wrong people or, or something like that. Um, but you know, there's, there's a whole lot more to it than that. And I, I never really dove into like the Bitcoin talk forums or anything like that. I did at one point think, wow, I should really get in on this. And I, I set up a Coinbase account and, uh, you know, like in, in between the time when I was like mentally like getting over that hurdle, like I, I, I should, I should get some exposure to this. And, and when like the KYC went through and everything like that, Bitcoin had spiked, like it, it like more than doubled. I was like, well, I guess I missed that one. <laughs> so I, ne I never bought any, any, uh, crypto during that first cycle. Uh, but then, um, uh, when my wife and I had our first kid, uh, in, in 2016, just like a stray thought crossed my mind. I was like, I should, I should buy him one Bitcoin and I can give it to him when he's 18. And, you know, I, I don't think they're too expensive right now. So, you know, if something happens with it, the, the, maybe it pays for his college or, or whatever. Um, and so I, I logged into that Coinbase account and they had, 
in Bitcoin, Litecoin, and Ethereum. And you know, the Ethereum price was like $10 at the time. And I was like, what is this much cheaper cryptocurrency that's available on here? And uh, I just, I spent like days after that, just in the uh, Ethereum subreddits and, and all of that, uh, just like devouring all I could. I absolutely loved the idea that it was a, a decentralized money that you could actually do something with beyond just holding it. I think I think Bitcoin still has, uh, you know, it has, it has that niche, but as a developer, someone who would be interested in building on top of it, that really spoke to me. So I never actually did buy my kid that, that Bitcoin. <laughs> Um, but I've, I've been building on on Ethereum ever since. Wow. I mean, maybe your kid's going to, hopefully your kid's going to be, thanks for not buying Bitcoin, but he's probably <laughs> like, why don't you buy both anyways, dad, God? Uh, who knows what they're going to be into once they're, yeah, they're in college. It's, that's like, like you said, like the Ethereum ecosystem, the Ethereum the cryptocurrency itself, you can build a lot more on top of it. it. Yeah, it's a perfect trigger for someone who wants to test their programming skills on the blockchain. And other than the financial side, as you were digging into Ethereum, were you... Were you getting thoughts and ideas of like, how can I build on top of this to solve my own problems? Or just were you even ever trying to think about like what what a world can be like if I built into crypto full time or adapted crypto into my current job? Or were you just enthusiastic about what's there, but never deep into trying to, yes, uh, take the entrepreneurial route? Um, yeah, uh, I, I like the stability of my, my current job. So I want to keep that. So I, you know, I'm not really interested in building like the next Ave or anything like that, that's going to have me kind of hard pivot and figure out how to do, uh, you know, hardcore business development and, and, and manage people and the DAO and all of that. So I'm completely satisfied just building small little things, you know, whether it be like a, a flash in the pan or uh, just some little um, dap that I, I, I personally get use out of. Um, like I have, I have, I, I built one, I think, I think one of the first things I built was a application that lets you uh, sign an arbitrary message and get the signature and you can share it. Um, and uh, there wasn't, wasn't really anything like that, that I was aware of at the, at the time. Um, so, you know, that, that was a, a, a pretty cool thing to do that I, I got some use out of. Um, I, at one point, uh, I did, I built like a uh, little uh, a chore chart for my son. Um, uh, I deployed on, on one of the test nets. So the, the uh, transactions were free, but like, it's like a little five by five grid and it's got you know, various chores down the columns and an account down the road and you can click on a cell and uh you know behind the scenes it, it writes a transaction off to i think it was i think it was robston at the time um and he gets a little like sticker that shows up on the grid and you know it's really really cool like he was like, like i remember uh he's like two years old and he he wanted to play the sign transaction game <laughs> oh man is he so how old is he now he's six six so he's not, I guess, how intuitive is it for a six-year-old, I guess, understanding the blockchain? Have you explained that to him or is it just a website? Um, he doesn't really have the the baseline uh, to kind of understand uh, what it's all about. Um, he he gets he gets NFTs, like the, the pictures uh, speak to him. Like we'll we'll scroll through, you know, whatever collection on OpenSea or uh, he he like the CryptoPunks are his favorite. He he likes scrolling through Larva Lab. Um, uh, yeah, uh, he he gets that. He does not get. Uh, I, I guess I haven't really tried the whole like fungible token thing, explaining uh, all of that to him. Um, it's it's funny. Like a lot of people struggle with with understanding NFTs. Like if you 
watch any of uh, like the more like uh, mainstream media news where they discuss it. And like, you're buying a JPEG that you can just right click save as. <laughs> you're not very smart. Um, but like, I guess coming in completely fresh, you know, just like, uh, like you know, his brain is like a sponge. Um, you know, it, it, it works for him, I guess, having no preconceived notions. But I don't really know how to explain, you know, fungible tokens as well to him. That's an interesting thing because, like, as kids, you're much. It's easier for you to adapt and understand some new technologies as you know, an elderly person trying to figure out your MetaMask wallet. I think so yeah. you probably have a much easier time as he grows up. Um, yeah, I was kind of curious on um, generation for blockchain. And I've seen you. You know, you have like, like twelve apps publicly available now. Something like that, yeah. For just for fun. So you know, where do you get these ideas? Like you have. I'm looking at your website now. You have From, Daily, Denza, and you even have Meth, which was pretty hilarious, the insolvent rapper for E. Your, what is your thought process in each of these or some of these apps and yeah, the reason you built them? So I, uh, they, they come from a lot of places. I, I have like a backlog, uh, like a list of like 40 different things I want to build. Um, but, you know, actually, uh, you know, getting around to them, you know, with the day job and with the family is, is kind of hard. Um, I found that um, what has worked for me the most is when uh, crypto Twitter is just on fire about something. Um, and it's like, you know, the meme of the day. If there's something I can execute on it within, you know, just a, a few days, I will usually have like that uh, kind of like hyper focus to uh, that's required to get something over the finish line. So like um, the the frumps that you mentioned there is a, a rip on the uh, Donald Trump's digital trading cards uh that he did back in November. Um you know, like there's there's you know the there's the crypto punks and then um at some point I think it's like twenty twenty one uh someone released uh funks which is a flipped version like the, the punks face the other way. Um and that's been like a popular mimetic thing that people will do when a, a collection gets big. Uh you know there there'll be a derivative that without a doubt is a flipped version of that. And so I wanted to uh, kind of capitalize on, you know, the, uh, the the very, very corny images that are in that collection. Um, uh, there's like, I, I remember not not to like rip on Donald Trump or anything to it. I don't want to get too political or anything like that. But like, I remember the announcement video he did where, you know, he's clearly reading from a teleprompter and as best he can, he's going off script too. But he's talking about how the collection immortalizes moments from his life and there's like there's one where he's on the moon and wearing like you know a baseball cap and holding a football it's like that never happens <laughs> uh, it's a very silly collection and i thought you know if i i flip this around the other way you know that's that's going to be fun too um and you know i i wanted i wanted to do something good with that one uh uh so i i'd say probably about half of the the stuff that i've put out there that um you know actually takes in eth uh, it goes to like nonprofits or, or public goods or something like that. And for that one, you know, that was clearly a cash grab for everyone involved. There was no intention of, of that being like an everlasting community with like, you know, there's going to be swag that you can get and there's going to be IRL events that you can get like that. And that, that made me sad. Um, so I, I had reached out to a, a nonprofit, uh, called, uh, Homes Not Borders and uh what they do they're they're dc based and kind of their their thing is they help refugees who have found their way to the dc area 
going to get established. Um, you know, the, the, the housing that they have is, you know, not, not particularly well furnished and all of that. And they might not necessarily have, um, the skills that they need to kind of start, start fresh. Um, and so, you know, the, the contract that I set up for, for Frumps has all the minting proceeds go directly to, uh, homes, not borders. Um, it never touches a you know, a wallet I control, the ETH sits in the contract and there's a public function that anyone can call that just forwards the accumulated ETH onto them. It hasn't sold out yet. It's, I have, you know, very few followers on Twitter. Uh, I haven't really cracked that game yet, but um, it's sitting there, you know, the contract's going to live on as, as long as the Ethereum blockchain maybe, uh, you know, catches fire at some point um, and, you know, you know, potentially do a lot of good for uh, a group that's you know trying to make a big difference. Yeah, that's an amazing to think that too, because yeah, you, if you were some type of centralized entity or program, people would just take your word for it. But so blockchain, you can prove that anything that happens on the Frumps NFT goes right into donation for um, homes, not borders. And that's like the beauty of it. And it's amazing how you can just you know, do that. Uh, I feel like, I guess I'm not, I have another question. Like for, for that nonprofit, how was their reception to that idea obviously went through but you have to yeah. convince them how to use a blockchain no so they they're already with um uh the giving block uh the giving block is is a a uh, crypto company that has their mission to set up uh basically as many uh non-profits uh and and charities and 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 you know that group um with ethereum wallets as as they can um if you go onto their website, they have hundreds of organizations and a real quick like donate button that you can connect your your wallet to and uh, send them whatever tokens you want. Um, it's it's really amazing. Um, and so you know, I, I found um, Homes Not Borders through uh, the Giving Block. You know, I, I wanted uh, I, I had a, a particular kind of of nonprofit that that I had in mind for this one. Um, so I went in there and you know I started uh, looking around at the different filters they had. I, I found them pretty quickly. Um, you know, kind of the, the nice thing about crypto is I could have done this you know, without their permission. Um, but you know I didn't want to release like an NFT collection that would you know it didn't yet. I mean I haven't caught caught on yet, but had the potential to raise some eyebrows um, and and come under scrutiny. Um, uh, uh, I don't, I don't know how Donald Trump and his legal team would have felt about having his NFTs flipped and and whatnot. But uh, you know, I, I reached out to them and I said, "Hey, I, I made this really corny NFT. That's not what I said when I, when I mentioned to them. Hey, I made this NFT collection. Uh, I want to make you all the the recipient of it. Uh, how do how do you feel about that? You know, I don't want to launch this without without your your say so." And you know, they wrote me back a few days later and, uh, you know, yeah, as a nonprofit, they, you know, they made it clear that they couldn't like officially sanction it. You know, like, yes, we, you know, we're partners now or anything like that, yeah. but they're like, we, we would be honored, you know, if you'd, you'd go through with that, that'd be really cool. So, um, you know, for, for them, I, I do hope that, you know, that the collection, you know, one day, uh, catches, uh, someone's eye who, uh, <laughs> has the ability to mint something out, um. But you know, we'll see. Uh, it's 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 a really neat world we're living in right now, and that we're coming into, where you know, in you know, a, a very short amount of time, you can write a few dozen lines of code, and, and you don't have to to write code at this point. There there are tools online where you can you can set up a, a contract like Zora or Indelible or Rarible or whatever, where you can make a uh, different Ethereum address the recipient of of minting proceeds very quickly you don't even need to be technical um, and and you've suddenly set up a channel that if people are so inclined they can donate their their money 
The only fees that they pay are the blockchain for securing the transaction and making it forever. There's no, uh, you know, GoFundMe or Kickstarter or whatever that's that's taking a cut. There's no 10-day waiting period if they're like international to for the money to do whatever it does when you try and send money overseas. Okay. Um, behind the scenes, uh, it is it is really amazing that that we have that now, and I'm really looking forward to uh, you know the the next few years when this sort of thing becomes uh, more mainstream, and I really hope we get a bull run where you know that's a little more sticky, uh, where where we get people to come and and they don't leave once the, once the money dries up, and we can start using crypto to to fund things that need to be funded in like a sustainable way. Exactly, yeah, definitely grateful for things out. Like that actually help other people and not just some type of uh, pump and dump rather obviously with your with your skill set you could probably do a lot of good or a lot of bad but thankfully you're doing a lot of good uh so i mean you were developing for a while you said in the crypto space too have you found how was your progression tools that are available the documentation that became available 16 till now have you found it extremely um progressive or technically speaking is it still a little difficult and need to be a little bit of a software engineer to work that out yeah it's it's been it's been incredible. Um, you know, in the in the uh, early two thousands, um, you know, we had uh, we didn't have Chrome yet. We had Firefox. We had Internet Explorer. We had uh, the Safari up and coming. Um, and building for Web two was very hard. You did not have really good developer tooling. Um, like today, um, you know, we have tools where you can right click on an element on a page, and it will pull up the source code for you that renders that element. And you can go in and you can edit it directly and it will refresh live on page. Uh, in the early 2000s, there was not that. You had to you know, go into your code uh, and you know, refresh and get your app back in the same state that it was to test whatever change it was you were trying to make. And browsers were not the same. Uh, Internet Explorer did its own thing. Firefox did its own thing. It was, it was hard. Um, the most, most of your time went to negotiating cross-browser differences. And those things are, uh, were very difficult. Um, but you know, over, over time, like, uh, we got better and better at uh, uh, building those tools out into browsers natively and things like um, Stack Overflow, which you know, for anyone who's unfamiliar is a, a website where people will ask software related questions like how, how do I use um, uh, Unity to uh, uh, render uh, you know, this particular uh, uh, file type of a, a 3D model. Uh, and you can ask that and someone will, will come in, they'll upvote your question if it's good, if you think other people will find it useful and they'll, they'll answer it for you. And a lot of the times, you know, people ask specific enough questions, you can more or less copy paste uh, stuff from from there into uh, code and, and get it running in, uh, in your application. But that's all about web two. But like over a progression of like six, eight years, we went from this really hard um, to build for browser uh, environment to uh, you know, much easier where where you could spin up something very quickly, and and we saw the same thing with with uh, with Solidity and and the tooling around it. Uh, it was just like everything was time shifted uh, uh, a few years. Um, so I remember you know first getting into Solidity in in you know, like 2017, and it was hard. There was not a lot of documentation out there. Uh, there was there was documentation. There was enough that you could figure out your way around it, but like there wasn't a good editor. For it, uh, you you were probably best off in like uh, you know using using a traditional IDE, but you wouldn't get like any code hints or anything like that. Like today, you start typing the word function, and before you've hit the U, it has auto completed for you, and that's great. You had to type all that out automatically because your IDE back then didn't know the rules 
of the Solidity language. It couldn't do that for you. So, um, testing your contracts was very hard. Um, you know, the, the usual flow for a, a developer is you will spin up a local version of the Ethereum blockchain, deploy code to it, and run tests to make sure that your contract does what, what you think it does. Um, that didn't exist in, in a really mature format for a while either. Um, so testing was like manually writing scripts that would do the things that today we can do in just a, a few lines of, of code. Um, I remember one of the first ideas I had uh, was um, like uh, uh, kind of like uh, for anyone who was around in 2017, the, the, they might be familiar with a project called called Etherroll. It was a... Um, oh, yeah, I remember that. Remember Etherroll? Yeah. It was a dice game, basically. Yeah. Like, like you're rolling like a, a D100, uh, and you have to pick uh, how much how much Ether you want to bet on a dice roll. And uh, I, think was, I think it was you want to roll under that amount. And so if you said, you know, I, I'll bet one ETH, that the next roll will be, uh, you know, a, a 50 or lower, you might stand to win, you know, a little less than than half of what you put up. Um, the, the house had some kind of slight edge um, is meant to be an amount that was sustainable to keep the, the bankroll going. Uh, but anyway, I had I had a similar idea. Like I was like, I want I want to create, you know, a, a dice game too. that'd be that'd be really cool. Um, there, there is no concept of randomness in solidity, because everything needs to be uh, deterministic on the blockchain. You can't have one uh, at the time miner say that uh, I'm running this contract. I hit this function that says, you know, generate a random number. The number I generate is five and write it to the blockchain and have any hope that when the miners, uh, the rest of the network goes to validate it, they also generate the number five. Um, it doesn't, it doesn't work like that. You need an Oracle setup that will trustlessly, you want to trustless because you don't want anyone to game your Oracle. You get control of it and then you know drain your you know game's bankroll um that will uh, generate that randomness for you and post it back to the blockchain and we have that now we have chain link we have we have other options and those are those are really cool um but at the time i was just like i've written the shell of this contract for this game and this funk this 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 program doesn't have the concept of randomness that is like an absolute non-starter for me right now and so many other people are going to struggle with this yeah. like uh is this type of use case just not possible here? Um, I, I don't know. Uh, I never, I never did anything with that. You know, Etherall did its its own thing. I kind of lost interest in that. But like, you know, today, you know, the the most recent thing I released, I wrote entirely with Chat GPT. I I oh, wrote man. very little code myself. Um, uh, what was it? Jeez, it was uh, like two weeks ago. I don't even remember. Uh, oh, it was an application that, oh, this was this is another one of those things where, uh, kind of inspired by current events, we had the Euler, uh, the Euler, I, I, I will say Euler, <laughs> I know it is Euler, but in my head it's always Euler. We had, we had the Euler finance hack, um, and, you know, as is, is, uh, common, you know, we saw the hacker exchanging messages with, um, the, the company and with users by posting, um, uh, plain text to the blockchain. And we don't really have anything that that I could find quickly. That, that is probably something like that does exist. I don't I don't want to say I I was the first to create this, but like I couldn't find anything. Maybe you were looking at it. Yeah. I want I want to make something that, that will let anyone sign messages and, and send them to the blockchain like that. And I asked ChatGPT to do that for me. And it generated, you know, a hundred lines of code after the first prompt. I had to change one line to get it to run. And it literally worked. It it was the, the app had no styling. It was a plain gray button with a text input, but it 
actually work. And just to come from, uh, you know, five, six years ago where, you know, you couldn't even uh, uh, do unit testing on, on in, in a way that didn't have you rolling your own framework to writing a text prompt today um, where, you know, I can type <laughs> fewer than 300 characters of, of plain text into a chat box and I have a running application is is just an exponential amount of of growth in the the developer tooling it's it's absolutely amazing what we can do now that's so crazy and like like you said like i love seeing videos of developers using ChatGPT to create code like i saw someone make floppy bird and he shows the whole process of making floppy bird oh wow and then like, yeah if you, if you had a video of like your process of making that code or using ChatGPT to like go back and forth and showing your prompts that'd be awesome to watch and i guess solidity i guess ChatGPT knows solidity decently well yeah it's good yeah. maybe i'll try something out because i'm not a developer myself but like you said like I can write some text prompts that might generate what I want. Uh, and then as you're like, you know, working on all these projects and I guess you have to be sharing it with someone, are you sharing it with your wife, your friends? Are you the crazy crypto guy or is your family and friends like very supportive and agreeable? I, I have a, a few friends who have dabbled financially in, in crypto. I don't have any IRL friends that I, that I share my applications with beyond them though. Uh, I, I share them with my wife and, and she, she is, uh, like a lot of a lot of the things I built are, are are silly, and she gets a kick out of those, and she gets the idea behind some of the the more serious ones. Um, I, I I remember I remember I had this uh, stupid idea back in late December, and uh, it was um, uh, Johnny Apple seed phrase, uh, and the idea was you know kind of commentary on the the seed phrase space, you know. Uh, we have these 12 words that um, pull from a list and the math is surprising to some some people that you can generate a wallet that no one else will guess just by choosing 12 words from from a list um, and you know a lot of people leak their seed phrase accidentally you know they're, they're, we really need to make improvements there before people come back like that hurt a lot of people you know who were who were new uh, very sad to see um, but like the idea that that you can just take 12 words which is a very easy thing to do um, and then leak them <laughs> and, and give away all your money um, is, is I, like I want to put together some kind of commentary there so I made a, a Twitter bot that that every five minutes will generate a new seed phrase uh, and post it to Twitter um, I wonder if anyone has set up anything to watch that bot That's... and and like check if it accidentally generates a wallet that actually has money in it because it is it is an astronomically uh, it is an astronomical improbability that that uh, any random seed phrase will uh, point to an existing wallet um, and and so like this this the idea of like a a bot perpetually generating these things and publicly giving them away was just funny. To me. Uh, anyway, you asked about you know is my wife supportive? Um, I built that uh, on on Christmas Eve uh, after the kids had gone to bed. Um, she's you know uh, up like wrapping presents or whatever, and you know she this this bot took me two hours. It wasn't a big investment of time. Like it's like thirteen lines ago. But like she comes down and finds me coding, and she's like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "I just made the stupidest thing. Uh, I just launched it." <laughs> I explain it to her, and she said, "She said she looks at me just like dead in the face and says, it's Christmas Eve. <laughs> we have so much to do, and this is how you're choosing to spend." <laughs> She is very supportive and she loves all of the silliness of it. She's like, I love, you're lucky I love you right now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's great.
That's so funny. And that's a crazy thing too. Like I said, it's improbable that it will be attached to a real wallet with money into it. But like, what if it does? What if it goes to a wallet? It's like someone's life savings and it's all because you created this Johnny Appleseed, Mike. There there have been times like like I'm falling asleep at, <laughs> at night and like one of my last thoughts will be, you know, Johnny Seed Phrase exists. <laughs> and I no longer feel as secure as I did. <laughs> oh man. Well, yeah, like, now that you're, you're creating all these silly apps and being in the ecosystem like what is a crypto pet peeve that you have a pet peeve oh my goodness um so i the the decentralization of it is is huge for me like that's something that, that clicked with me right away um so something that you know i i am not a fan of is um you know a lot of projects that have come out of um not so much not so much defi you know like a lot of a lot of the projects in defi will make an attempt at, at decentralization whether that be through all right, we've got a multi-sig. We've got, you know, we, we control it, but like we're responsible developers. The application is still in progress. Um, we have a multi-sig, the contracts are going to be upgradable. You know your risks going in. Um, or we have a DAO and that's awesome. Uh, maybe we control the majority of the tokens and the, the DAO is, uh, you know, just kind of this token thing. Um, uh, uh, but, you know, more recently um, with, you know, a lot, of, a lot of NFT projects will do this where, you know, the ownership of their project and and you know in, in uh uh by as, as a consequence uh their their bankroll um, is strictly owned by uh, an external address um and it is it is one slipped up seed phrase away from you know one of these projects that, that promised a, a roadmap and may or may not actually intend to deliver on it uh you know losing everything uh because a lot of these uh, uh newer projects that are starting up that kind of like got into the space because they saw it was getting hot and it was flashing it was the next new thing and they could deploy something very quickly um not taking decentralization as seriously as the rest of us uh that have that have been here before and you know that's kind of the reason they're here uh, i'm not gonna like slam on them and be like you know the reason you're here is to make money and it's it's toxic and and you're leeching and and all of that i don't believe that's the case for a lot of projects sure it is for some uh, i think they have the best interest a lot of these projects have like their community's interest at heart um and and want to honestly build something but they're not necessarily um as sold on the value of decentralization that they that leads them to make the, to, to take the kind of extra steps to make sure that what they're doing is actually decentralized if if you just own a um a, a nft that is a pointer to a jpeg that they can rug at any time you know that's not in the spirit of of what we're what we're doing here you might as well have built something on uh you know a sql database where you're using paypal as your exchange um, you know, and it's hard to rug using paper. Yeah. That's, the, that's the thing with centralization. Um, right. Like we, we've, we've, we built this whole thing for the purposes of, of decentralization and, you know, you're not taking the time to do it uh, the, the right way. Um, I, I'm not trying to like slam on, on anyone or anything like that, but I wish that when people came in, they did it because they valued the, the decentralization and not, not for uh, other reasons that might lead them to make decisions that have us setting up the old system on top of the new one again yeah and that's like that's just human beings being human beings you know it's, mm -hmm. it's so it's so hard to so hard to it's like, it's like expected 
but it's sad that you're seeing it and it's happening. People are always trying to scam someone. People are always trying to make as much profit as they possibly can using the latest technology to help them do that. So, you know, when the internet first came out, it's like, oh, great. Look at all these amazing things we can build and share with each other. Then all of a sudden you figure out, oh, we're sharing information. I can probably steal information. Great. Mm, <laughs> that? Yeah. And then like, oh, there's financial transactions on this effect. There's financial transactions. Let's see how we can hack it. There's always someone who's curious to like hack or abuse or use new developing developing technology, like even cell phones and radio waves. Like governments would intercept radio waves between each other just to see, like, and during times of war, just to see what it's what they can get on their enemies. It's just like that's just human beings being humans. And uh, for my my thing, it's like you keep blaming like not we it doesn't mean you, but. A lot of the mainstream media or political officials are blaming crypto as the reason people are losing money. But it's not crypto, it's just people being people. Uh, if you're going to blame crypto for loss of financial uh, funds or abuse of um, like rug pulling projects or scamming people, then you, you should have to shut down the entire communication systems between people online. Otherwise, like cell phones, same thing. People get scam calls to attend like... <laughs> you're Microsoft and you need to send money to fix your computer. It's just, it's a, a messaging that's taken taken to be used as a political motive or just another way of trying to gain power over crypto saying cryptocurrency is bad and it's, these are the reasons why it's bad. No, humans are bad. This is why humans need to be changed or try to become more wholesome or understand like benefits or at least educate others on the benefits of crypto and how it can actually be used to stop the corruption and the rug pulling and used for decentralized and safe manner. That's what I think at least. Yeah, it's, it's funny because you know it, at, at its most basic like you know, we we need to produce blocks and we have to incentivize people to build blocks uh and so we need a, a currency at, at the base of of a blockchain and you know as the moment that you introduce the the concept of something that has a value you have people who are trying to take advantage and and steal it and it's a shame it's like you have to you have to incentivize block building or no one will run your software and you'll have no security um it's it's a shame that like from get go we set up a system uh where people are bound to get uh scammed and and lose money because it makes it very easy for uh people who uh for 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 the government or for for people who uh don't get it yet to just you know, paint, you know, a wide brushstroke that says all crypto is bad. It's all a scam because because we've created a system where scams are, are guaranteed to exist because we've incentivized something and we are actually passing value back and forth. I, I, I don't know how we're going to get past it beyond education, but you can't shove that down people's throats. So it's, yeah. it's going to be a hard road. Yeah, sometimes it's just so, learning less. Yeah. Crypto, like I, 2017, I've definitely believed in an ICO project and have gotten burned. So it just goes to show like, all right, maybe I should. Uh, that, was my, that was my learning lesson. That was like my, everyone, I think everyone goes through some of that. Um, in the crypto space. Oh, yes. um, but yeah, like now now that you're in this and you're building you know, wholesome content, what is your favorite or most wholesome crypto moment? Um, wholesome. Uh, okay, so I kind of dumped on NFT teams and, and how they're not uh, always uh, taking decentralization into to, uh, uh, to their heart. Um, uh, I, I will turn it around this time. Um, so a few months ago, there was a member of the CryptoPunks community named uh, Crypto Novo and uh, they signed a bad, bad transaction, bad, bad signature, and had had their punk stolen from them. Um, the thief immediately listed the punk for sale on the the CryptoPunks, the Larva Labs website, and uh, one of the people who is known for having a a very good CryptoPunk uh, sales bot uh, swept it immediately. Uh, so the thief made off with 
I, I don't know the amount, you know, maybe 60, 70 uh, in, in just a few uh, uh, minutes. And, you know, the, the member of the community who, who runs this bot now had the pump um, and they were, you know, they'd obviously paid for it and, and, and bought it honestly. Um, and, you know, they said, this, this is, this punks OTC for, for the shout out there. They had said, uh, you know, happy to sell it back to, to Crypto Nova. So they, you know, that they had built their digital identity around this punk. Like it's their, their avatar on Twitter. They go to conferences dressed as their punk. It's, it's one of the ones that's got like the green hat with the tassel, um, have a, a physical hat. Um, and, and, you know, that, that, that's a really great, you know, gesture for, for, Punks OTC, but then what happened next was you know CryptoNova didn't have the funds to rebuy his punk at cost at, at current prices, and the community, uh, you know, all of, all of CryptoNova's friends and the other members of the CryptoPunks community just went absolutely bananas for like the next three days, spinning up NFT projects and other things like that to help raise funds. Like there was there was a wallet spun up that you could donate directly to that um, was going to be used to uh, buy the uh, the punk back once it accumulated enough. And there was an NFT project where like they took uh, Crypto Novo's punk and, you know, chopped up all the 24 by 24 pixels. And you could, you could mint, uh, you know, one of those pixels and, you know, that has no, no value. Uh, like you don't actually own a pixel of a crypto punk in any kind of meaningful way, but like, it's a, it's a symbolic gesture that like, I support this person. It is a shame what happened to them. Um, I, I am going to buy one of these pixels because it will make a meaningful difference. Um, there were animated gifts of, of this person's punk put together um, and, and contracts went up. There were spaces on Twitter held, um, not 24 seven, but like every time I logged into Twitter, I saw there was a new space dedicated to raising awareness about everything everyone was doing for this friend that they had met online. And uh, within a couple of days, they had raised enough, enough money and punks OTC, uh, contributed a little bit as well as essentially bringing the price down for, for repurchasing it. And, and like, I think within a week, CryptoNova had, had the punk back and it was just absolutely amazing to see this community, uh, kind of rally behind a, a common cause, uh, to, to, to make their friend whole again. It was, it was absolutely amazing. I love that. And that's like my favorite thing about Ethereum community is definitely how much they support each other and NFT projects. Like, I personally don't invest too much into NFTs just because I I can't tell which one's going to be a rug pull and which one's a wholesome community. And yeah. there's only very few that I actually you know, invest into. Uh, but that's the beauty of NFT community is people say, oh, just a JPEG that you buy into nothing with, but you're investing into a community. And that just shows you like, that's your community insurance, you know, like, hey, we're here to help each other and grow as a team. And that's beautiful. And I love that, that you were able to like witness that and see it kind of all live and a person was made whole again. Hopefully, uh, hopefully they, that was like an educating time for everyone else in the community. Hopefully it doesn't happen again, but it definitely is. Yeah, definitely wholesome yeah for sure uh, yeah again um but thank you again so much mike for joining me i'm so happy there's someone like you in our community i hope building fun apps because i love seeing random random stuff just being generated it's it's like the beauty of crypto just see who else is out there and yeah definitely hope uh, you know more of your apps help either public goods or people or just help yourself and your life and your family and please let's stay in touch and i'll be sharing all your deets in the show notes awesome thank you so much for having me